1: His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using the Great Effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have You tap on that, it will let you download. A completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage in tools and and um, I'll, I'll apply them in various life situations, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if we get uh, an email, comment, question, or testimonial from you, we will address it on the Internet show, and then, as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that occurred, and you can listen back to the archives for your feedback. And um, alternatively, if you're available, you can give us a call live at uh, 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1 on your phone. It'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And um, we appreciate when people do either of those things because it tends to improve our ability to live into and make it easier for us to live into our intention with this work. And the intention with this work is to be of service. So when you do that, you make it easier for us, and we are appreciative when that happens. Today is uh, Labor Day. It's a holiday for most people in the United States, and it's also uh, a Monday. We have talked about uh, on Friday that we would uh, continue reading, uh, read uh, Lesson 9 from Way of Mastery, but we also have a hand up. I will turn on the microphone for area code 610. Is this Tim Bingham? It is Tim Bingham. Hello. Welcome, Tim. sir. Haven't heard from you in quite a long
2: while. I uh, know. I just haven't taken naturally to the worksheets, but I want you to walk through on a minute. the minute. Hold on
1: a minute, Tim. Hold on a minute, Tim. I'm turning okay. up the volume on my phone. Let me ask you to state that over again. What were you saying? Um, I would like you to to walk me
2: through a worksheet about an issue that's bothering me.
1: All right. We are always uh, willing and grateful when people call in with requests like that. Um, I have in front of me a a seven-step worksheet that is off of the whyagain.org website that says it's from nineteen or 2017 version 3. Do you have a worksheet in front of you that's a seven-step worksheet? Yes. Okay. I don't know the date on it. Um, well, as long as it's a seven-step worksheet, it will be very close to the one I'm working with, so that'll be fine. Okay. There might be a few there might be a few words that are different but the the gist of it and the flow of the worksheet will be pretty much the same.
2: Great. Thank you. Well, the issue is that um we have a basement in the house that floods in the rain and I bought it we bought a generator if the power goes out we hook up the generator to keep the electricity going in the basement to keep the sump pumps running. And I have lately been obsessing about the power going out in the house and having to go out in the rain and start the generator. Um, And when I go down in the morning about 5 o'clock, I just think, oh, my God, any minute now the power is going to go out. Oh my god, any minute the power's going to go out and I obsess about it. So it's an like an OCD thing where I'm just obsessed about the power going out and having to start the generator and all the complexities of that. So I it's uh it's like an obsession. It is an obsession.
1: Okay. Now, you have worked with us before and done worksheets. Yes. Right? And so um, one of the things that I normally tell people is we like to keep the worksheets as close to the present issue as possible and then just trust the process that... um, when I figure out the goal related to the situation I'm facing in the moment um, and then I cancel that goal the The process of just asking to be shown and letting insider intuition flood into me is. You know, what what provides the best results, ultimately. It it may take a while. I may do a a whole bunch of different worksheets and and bounce all over because my unconscious associations might, you know, take me all over a whole range of thought processes and situations. And yet, I want to just trust the process. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in this situation, you're feeling anxious, right? Yes. Or have you identified a different emotion, like you're angry about having this obsession?
2: No. I'm anxious.
1: Okay. So the emotion that you choose to put in the worksheet process is I, Tim, who am love, I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. Right? And then the worksheet says that hostility and fear come from internal corrupt data and they indicate my use of sustained incoherence, which is a process of doing something that doesn't work, but I just keep doing it hoping eventually it'll work. Right. But it it creates this negative internal construct and i just keep doing it so that part of my mind that can only record what's put into it and then spit it back out that called that carbon-based memory when i deny that i'm the one causing my own upset that carbon-based memory displaces my experience of myself as love as peace and calm and bliss And tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by someone or something outside of me. In this case, it's what would you say is the trigger? The generator. The the leaky basement. The electricity going out,
2: losing electricity, and having to start the generator in the rain outside.
1: So let's just put losing electricity on the worksheet, and then there's a comma, and then put fear of having to go outside in the rain to start the generator, and put that on the worksheet. Okay. Now, how strong would you say your anxiety is at the beginning of this worksheet?
2: Well, when I'm in full-blown anxiety... Like this morning, I would say it's like an 8
1: or a 9. Okay, so put that on the worksheet where it asks, you know, what's my emotional upset level at the beginning of the worksheet.
2: Yeah. Okay. Say an 8 or
1: a 9. And then the worksheet reminds me that... Anytime I'm in pain, my thinking is in error. Right?
3: Right.
1: And then the the worksheet lets me know that the truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I take a nice deep breath, hold it at the top, let it out slowly, center and calm myself. And the worksheet says the thoughts that... I use to create this emotion of anxiety are, so what's the thought that's causing so much anxiety, that you won't be able to start the generator? That the, that there are a bunch of steps to starting the
2: generator. And I. one of them is I have to get, get the generator from the garage, bring it outside and it's heavy, and then hook up the wires. To the generator and to so, the outlet so, so, outside. Right, so the,
1: so the, the short version is that the thought you're using to create your anxiety is that you will fail at setting up the generator. Yes. Right? Right. And there may be lots and lots of steps to it, but the essence of it is, my thought is, I'm going to fail at setting up the generator. That's the thought that I'm using to create right. my en- energy of emotion, which is this anxiety, right?
2: Right.
1: So just write that, in my thought is,
2: okay.
1: I'm going to fail at setting up the generator. Right. And then take a nice breath. And then the worksheet says, I want to take a moment and clarify my punishment thoughts. So what punishment thoughts do you have for the electricity and the generator situation? Well,
2: my father thought that I was a bumbler. And I will flagellate myself into thinking, yes, I'm a bumbler, I can't do it.
1: Okay, so but I'm I'm asking for a punishment thought for the generator and the electricity. Do you have any thoughts about I want to just smash this thing and get rid of it? No. No. Okay. So you don't have any punishment thoughts toward the electricity or the generator? No. And then you do have thoughts about yourself, punishment thoughts, that I'm a bungler, right? Bumbler, yeah. Right, I am a bumbler. So write that in where it asks about a punishment thought for yourself. Okay. So now we have anxiety is the emotion, the electricity and needing to set up the... uh, generator in the rain and then the thought that's causing your anxiety is I will fail at setting up the generator and there are no punishment thought for the electricity or the generator but there's punishment thought for yourself I'm a bumbler right and then the worksheet says Again, take a nice deep breath. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose to honor truth and willingly face and process out all of the disease-producing energies for and from all of my relations and all of my generations. And I'm going to willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. So breathe and soften because what, what, what we're being led to believe here or or introduced to is the distinct possibility that as a result of doing this particular worksheet i may end up having even more anxiety i may end up having headaches i may end up having insomnia for some nights or whatever and i'm just going to willingly go through that as i stir up what i need to stir up so i can see it at a conscious level and move it through my system with breath and with willingness. So if you're willing to do that, you put check marks in those boxes. Okay. And now we we step over to the idea of releasing myself. I release my emotion of anxiety. I release the electricity in the generator. My story that I'm going to have to set it up in the rain. My thoughts that I'm going to fail at doing that and my punishment thought that I'm a bumbler. I'm going to surrender all of that, all those negative thoughts, to the energy of love. And take a nice deep breath and settle into saying that. I surrender this all to love. Okay. And then we want to figure out what's the goal, what's the constructive result, the exact goal that drives your pained perception. The goal is for the electricity to work flawlessly, for the generator to be easy to set up, and for you to have more skill and ability than is required for the task. Does that make sense? Yes. So in the goal, I would say want the goal to be about the electricity, for the electricity to work flawlessly. Okay. And for me to have full ability to use generator. All right? Yeah. And then put a check mark in that box and take a breath. And then there's a a release on the side of the worksheet that asks. It asks me to cancel my need to be right and cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells to hallucinate the proof that my fear and my hostility-based story, my reality is true. So be willing to release your need to be right, cancel the need to be right, release the need to make up another story about how I'm a bumbler and I won't be able to do this if it's raining. And put a check mark in that box and take a nice deep breath. And then step four in this worksheet asks me to choose love, which is my essence. And when I do that, it stirs the love in everyone involved. And what we like people to do in this step is to do a little meditation. Put your hand over your heart space and breathe and soften into one of the most loving, safe, happy, contented memories in your life, whether it's from the recent or distant past. So do that and let me know when you've gotten a shift in your heart space energy. Away from anxiety, toward this energy that you can remember of a time when you felt strong and safe and happy. You got a memory like that? that? Yeah. Excellent. All right, so breathe into that, and now we'll move on to step five. Step five says... When I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data, and it's driven by my goal in number three for the electricity and generator to work flawlessly and for me to have the full ability to use it easily. And this is a limited picture made up of nine bits of data while 10,000 brain cells are firing in me. So by canceling my replicate mind's reality, it collapses and gives me my, I cancel my goal, and my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me direct contact with anything that's been denied and dissociated in my carbon-based memory. And I want to see that because that's the stuff that projects and blames others for its content. So while holding love, conscious, active, and pl- present, I want to cancel my, my, my need, cancel my goal for the electricity and the generator to work flawlessly, and for me to be able to easily use a generator. And just breathe. Write that in that space and then breathe and soften. Let me know when you have that written. So it says by willingly canceling my goal for the and then driver. After and that I ru- right. For the generator to work flawlessly and for me to be able to use it easily. And so you can I give up turn up the page goal. over. You want to give up that goal for the generator and electricity to work flawlessly and for you to be able to use them easily. And if you need to, flip the page over so you've got more space to write. But write that goal out and say, I cancel the goal for the electricity and the generator to work flawlessly and for me to be able to use it easily. And let me know when you've got that written and you've said it to yourself.
2: This is the part of the worksheet that confuses me. I'm not sure what it means to let go of that goal. What does right. that That's mean? That's why we have to
1: practice it. it. This is why we have to practice it. When we first start to do this, we don't know what it means. right? But over over time, when we practice saying, I cancel my need to be right, and I cancel my goal for this and that and the other thing, my mind starts to learn to soften and allow and to breathe and to soften into whatever is happening as I release my focus on what I want so I'm releasing my focus on what I want I'm canceling my need for what I say I want And over time, as I practice this and I do worksheets and maybe I do some EFT tapping with it, my body starts to learn to relax as I say those words. So just practice it. Just write the words out and say them, either out loud or in your mind, and take a breath and soften and just see if you can get a level or two of relaxation to enter where there was tension when you think about this goal. Okay. The next part of the worksheet says, I invite something outside of my conscious, logical mind. What do you want to invite to help you with this process? God. You can invite, you want to invite God, so you're gonna write that in 5B. You're gonna invite God. To help incline you toward healing, put a check mark in that box. To restore you to your newborn essence as love, put a check mark in that box. To heal your denial that you're the one actually creating this anxiety. It's not being done to you by the outside circumstances. And to generate, heal your, your ability to generate the emotion of anxiety. And write anxiety in there, right next to the word 1B. And then check mark. And you're going to ask God for help in opening a direct conscious relationship with and gently removing any denied, dissociated, and projected parts of your carbon-based memory. And put a check mark in that box. And let me know when you've done all of that. I've done that. Okay. So now put the pen down. Again, we ask people to put their hand over their heart space if they're comfortable doing that. Close your eyes. And just keep your breath moving and soften as you gently, silently inside your own mind repeat what I'm going to say out loud. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself, including my father including the generator. I breathe and soften. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this anxiety. And then I breathe, and I soften, and I put myself in the most open, allowing space I can manage Gently repeating over and over again, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious, logical mind on the shelf for now, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And then just breathe and soften and trust that any image that comes into your mind, any thought, any emotion, any sight, sound, sense, smell, taste, anything that comes to your mind is going to be part of what you need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. And just trust, if you see an image from any time earlier in your life, even if it's one you've seen dozens of times before, go there, see what it has to offer you, notice how old you are, where you are, who else is there and what's happening. And just breathe and soften and allow, trusting that it's perfectly safe for you to see and feel and remember everything you've ever lived through. And if it comes to mind right now, as you're breathing and softening and just gently repeating, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. If it comes to mind now, there's a reason, and it's perfectly okay. It's part of what you need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. So stay with that process of gently breathing and softening And holding yourself in that space of love from that loving memory we talked about earlier and gently saying, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I cancel my goal for this electricity and generator to work flawlessly and for me to be able to use it easily. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this anxiety. And stay with that until you feel something shift or fade, or until you get a strong image of something from younger days in your life, or you realize it is just going to sit and spin and go nowhere. And keep your breath. I have. Until you feel I go have ahead. a memory.
2: I have a memory of being about ten, and being with my father, and he's scowling at me. Um, and I'm a bumbler. I've screwed up something
1: mechanical. I'm not okay, sure what so, it was. So turn the worksheet over or take a blank sheet of paper and write as many details about that as you can. I'm 10 years old. My father is scowling at me. My memory is that he thinks I screwed up something mechanical and is calling me a bumbler. Breathe into it and write as many details as you can about how old you were, where you were, what you might have been wearing, how you felt at that moment, anything about the sights of that situation, the sounds, the smells, write down any detail that comes to mind about this time when you were 10 and your father is scowling at you and you felt, or he thought, that you had bumbled something mechanical. Yeah. Pay specific attention to what you felt. Energy for emotions, energy for thoughts, visual images that come to mind negative thoughts about yourself sadness, hurt, whatever it was make those notes before we move on and keep your breath moving Take specific care to remember how big you were physically, to remember what did you know about life and about relationships and finances and mechanical things when you were just 10 years old. Really let that sink in. And breathe and soften and feel the difference between that 10-year-old worldview and level of understanding about things and your fully adult worldview and level of understanding about things. And let me know when you're complete with that.
2: Well, I felt um, completely trapped and alone and horrible. I didn't know where to turn. I had failed,
1: and it was unbearable. Perfect. Make sure you've written all that down and let me know when you're ready to move on. Okay. Okay. You ready to go on? Yes. All right. So take a nice deep breath, hold it at the top, and slow the exhale down. And scan your body and tell me, what's the strongest emotion you're aware of right now or the strongest physical sensation?
2: Not like in my heart. The strongest emotion
1: is that little boy being trapped and feeling it was unbearable. Okay. So write that in 6A. I now feel heart sensation of 10-year-old trapped. Okay. And does that and does that feeling in your heart and that feeling of being trapped—does it have a similar energy to the anxiety you were feeling this morning? Yes, they're both okay. sharp, intense. Okay, and okay so then in six B, you would you would write, "I see that this is how I felt this morning." So this morning, you weren't feeling like the adult. No. You were feeling like the 10-year-old who was trapped. Right. And is there another part of your mind that can take a breath and recognize, I am not 10 years old anymore?
2: Right. I'm
1: 78. Right, but, but can, is is there a part of your mind that can tap into that and feel the the deep truth of that? So breathe into that and recognize, oh, what I see from this worksheet is this morning when the anxiety was hitting me about whatever was going on with the generator or my fears about the generator... I was really feeling like I did when I was 10 years old. I wasn't feeling like my adult self. Right?
3: Right. Right.
1: And the the last part of this step six is I ask to be shown a time when I've not fulfilled my goal of having things work flawlessly and having me have ease of use. And I just write that in there and throw it open to spirit to keep me awake and aware to when I might fall into this thought pattern again and help me see it's just an old thought pattern. It's not about myself as an adult. And then the worksheet asks me to have a commitment to live as love, to live as a human being, a human life. And to help achieve this, I do a mass canceling of all the times I've ever wanted things to work flawlessly and be easy for me to, to use. So I just do that. I just put my initials in there and I open myself to... Um, thoughts about other people that I've wanted them to work flawlessly and and get things done easily, and I, I'm just going to cancel that goal. So I'm just clearing another level of energy in my mind for thinking that everything is supposed to just work flawlessly the way I want it to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And then step seven says, a principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I'm going to re- remind myself to be grateful for this opportunity to heal. I'm going to choose to align with truth and perfect love. And based on this goal, I'm going to create a goal based on this situation. And in this one, I would say I would ask you to, for your own benefit, to do at least two more worksheets on that 10-year-old and that f- sensation in his heart of being trapped does that seem reasonable yeah and you might also want to do some eft tapping if you've ever found that valuable and visualize yourself as that 10 year old and tap I've
2: never as been able, I've never been able to do that EFT tapping it's never worked for me okay. the tapping.
1: All right, then just do the two worksheets on the heart energy and the thought about being trapped. Okay. And then and then take a nice deep breath and scan your body and notice what would you call your emotional level right now after being through this? A uh, 3. Okay then would you call that a successful worksheet? You have the option to mark that on on the worksheet process. All right. Well, there you are. Thank you so much for being willing to do that. Do you have any comments or questions for me?
2: Two more worksheets, one on being 10 years old and trapped, and what's the second one on?
1: I would do two of them on that. I would, I would go, go through it, the process twice.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: And, and if you do the first one, and you're doing it as a 10-year-old who's standing there with his father scowling at him, and he was unable to do something with this, something mechanical and his thought is, I'm a bumbler, or I have, I'm all alone and I'm scared, or whatever the thought is. When you do that, if you flash to another instance, you might do your second worksheet on that other instance. If not, do it on the same 10-year-old situation. Okay. All right. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Dim. Well, you're very welcome and deserving. Do you have any other comments or questions for us?
2: What about the, um, the new goal, the, the uh, enlightened
1: goal? That is to keep working with worksheets or whatever works for you, breath sessions or targeted journaling, to keep dismantling the part of you that blocks you from feeling safe and calm and loving. And in this case specifically it's two worksheets so you can know when they're done. So you're not setting some open goal that stays running and takes up your energy oh without you ever knowing Did I I accomplish that goal? Or without you being able to say, okay, I'm going to consciously cancel that goal.
2: Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. I'll do it.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Any other questions?
2: Nope. I'll get to it right after the show.
1: All right. You want me to leave you on microphone or mute you and, and move on with the show? What, what's your pleasure?
2: You can mute me.
1: All right. Thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate the call and the chance to assist you in this. Blessings. Thank you. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. We have about 15 minutes left. If you have a comment or a question that you can offer or any clarifying points on the worksheet that we just did thanks to Tim Bingham, call the number 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. And we can have a conversation. Is there anything about that process or the specifics of that worksheet process that was new to you or you want to have clarification on? Now would be a good time to press 1 on the phone. And in lieu of that, I will probably just start... Making the connection back to what I was reading in the uh, the book, The Walk in the Physical, we had uh, I was reading some questions uh, and from that book questions with answers like, can there be a hell? Is hell real? Is hell a place? Is there such a thing as eternal punishment? Is there punishment in the afterlife at all? And all of these kind of primed me to this part of this answer of that last question. Is there punishment in the afterlife at all? And the answer was, we are all completely and totally responsible for every single choice, every single thought, every single action, and every single intent. Our past choices, thoughts, actions, and intents, can lead us into various experiences, whether in this world or in another. And some of those experiences may be extremely painful and dark. That entire process is unconditional love that transcends all of it. The enduring truth of our lives is unconditional love, and that love is completely and totally accepting and understanding. And as I read that, it put me in mind of Lesson 8 and Lesson 9, In the Way of Mastery. And so, on Friday I finished reading Lesson 8, In the way of mastery and lesson eight in the way of mastery talks about dropping pebbles into the still clear pool of your own awareness and as you do you're choosing thoughts it is a creative act it creates energy ripples that are like the thought that you think and those thoughts that you value And The Course in Miracles talks about this and says when you have a negative thought, when you have an error in thought, all you have to do is return to the original error in thought because that thought, what it creates and its negative effects aren't going to last any longer than the thought which created it is cherished. And once you give up cherishing those negative thoughts, those errant thoughts, those trauma thoughts, it is a creative act in itself itself. And you create a different kind of ripples. You create a different kind of experience for your own tomorrow. So lesson nine is titled, All Events Are Neutral. And the text reads, I am your brother and your friend. I am he who looks upon you and sees nothing but the face of Christ within you. Christ is the firstborn of the Father. That is, it is that which is begotten and not made. Christ is the Creator's creation. Christ is the holy child of the creation. Christ is as a sunbeam to the sun, radiating forever from the holy mind capital M mind of what I have called Abba therefore I come forth to abide with you in perfect joy and in perfect freedom and in perfect reality what Michael Rice would call actuality I come forth to join with you with that part of you that abides always in perfect knowledge perfect peace perfect knowingness and in perfect union with your Creator. I come not to speak of things you do not know. I come not to use words that do not already abide within you. I come not with the wisdom that you do not already contain. I come not with a love that is any grander than that which already flowers within the silent places of your own heart. I come not to place myself above you. I come only to walk as an equal beside you. I come because I am love and you are love. I come because I am your friend. Of all the things that I could possibly choose to do with the unlimited power of consciousness that's been given equally unto me of my Father as it is given unto you, Of all the places and the dimensions and the worlds in which I could reside in this moment, I come to abide with you. I come to bridge the gap that seems to yet separate you from me. In reality, all dimensions of creation reside in a space far smaller than the tip of a pin. In reality, all dimensions of creation are so vast that you could never measure them. In reality, there is no gap between where you are and where I am. This is why I can be no further from you than the width of a thought. But, oh, beloved friends, The power of a thought is the power to create universes. And within universes, to create yet more universes. And within those universes, to create world upon world upon world upon world upon world. Your lived experience is that momentarily your attention seems to be focused on your unique world which share some things in common with many other beings. You have what is called in your world a consensus reality. We would say a consensus experience. It has been born out of a universal reality. Beloved friends, even as you abide in your awareness in this moment, you are the creator of the world you experience. And you do this in so many ordinary ways. When you stand face-to-face with anyone, for just a split second, if you alter the position of your body with which you gaze upon them, you take up a new stance, a new perspective. And in that very split second, you have created a new experience for yourself. When you look upon a friend... And the mind moves from neutrality, which is where you begin every experience, and you move into the thought, this is my friend Mary. That is my friend St. Germain. That is my friend Peter. That is my friend Joanna. That is my friend Nathaniel. Whatever the name may be, when you hold that thought already you begin to change the experience. You are a literal creator in that moment. For when you name anything, you define it according to the factors that you have built into that name that you use. When you look upon a field of energy arising from the mystery of earth and you say the word, tree, Instantly you have brought forth into your manifest experience everything you've ever decided is associated with the field of energy that you have called tree. In this way your experience is entirely unique. It has never been before. It will never be again. Nothing can repeat it. This is why creation is forever new. Yes, you can stand with your friend and look upon a tree and nod in the head and say, okay, of course, yes, that's a tree. Yep, I see the branches and I see the leaves. However, as soon as you have named it, you have brought forth all of the associations you have called to yourself, your experience of that field of energy that you have called a tree. Rest assured, those called environmentalists and those that have labeled themselves loggers definitely see a different experience when they both use the same word, tree. Which one is right and which one is wrong? This does not apply. In this lesson, we want to address another of the important pebbles that you must drop into the still clear pool of your awareness. It is simply this. All webs of relationship All energy fields are absolutely neutral. What creates experience is how you decide you will view that web of relationship, that field of energy. The effect of that decision is also completely neutral. Well, but how can that be? For when a logger sees a tree and sees only the profit to be made, forests disappear And when an environmentalist looks at a tree, the tree remains, and the mighty owls and the birds have a place to make their home. Surely, are we not to perpetuate the same reality, the same experience that all human beings have had? Is there no loss when the forest disappears? Listen, and please listen carefully. All events are neutral. You are the one that places the value upon it. Now, does that mean that one should become cold-hearted, unconscious, and blind to their actions? Of course not. For part of awakening means to realize one's interconnection with the web of all relationships. It means awakening a reverence for the mystery that is life. And it also means to release judgment of another who would view the tree differently. For you see, the body that you have crystallized out of a field of infinite energy has but one purpose. It is a communication device. Therefore, let your primary perception, your primary guiding light in your third dimensional experience Let it be this. What do I choose to communicate to the world with every gesture, with every breath, with every spoken word, and with every decision I make? For ceaselessly, while the body lasts, you are engaging in the process of communicating to the world, making manifest to the world what you have chosen to value, what you have called into your experience and imbued with value. This means that ceaselessly you are engaged in teaching the world what you believe holds the greatest truth and the greatest value. That's why this book says so often, choose to teach Only love. So, barring anyone else's need to do a worksheet process tomorrow, we'll pick that up tomorrow and continue reading in Lesson 9 of The Way of Mastery. For now, I thank you all for being here and listening. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff that we call love, we actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice.
0: Thank you, Dr. Tam. I like your reading of The Way of Mastery. It's awesome.
1: Well, thank you. And um, please know that earlier at the very beginning of the show, Mr. Tim Bingham called in and worked all the way through a worksheet, so that's
0: awesome.
1: How we spent most of the of the hour. And I will encourage you to have a wonderful show.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. So welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio and today is Monday, September the fourth, twenty twenty three. And a lot of you may be off work today because it is Labor Day. And uh, we hope you're enjoying your day. A great time. And we'll give Michael a moment to dial in. And I'm just switching around on the switchboard here is our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And we have Aria all day today because she doesn't have school. I'm going to turn on Susan's microphone. Thank you for the gift of the manger scene of the characters. I did send you a link to a video. I videoed her opening each character and saying what it was and and so that was phenomenal. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. You're yeah. welcome. So I hope you are
4: welcome. I didn't see where the link was sent. Did you send it to... Um, um,
0: it's in your email.
4: Oh, okay.
0: I yeah. It. And it's about two minutes long and her opening each one of the pieces and saying whether it was Mary or Jesus or the, the wise men. And she says one of the wise men is a woman actually. <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah,
4: they were very so advanced really back cute. then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you very much. We got that today, and and we have her oh, all day today. Day. So, well, so that's oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. So she opened it up and and looked at each piece, and so she's got them playing with them. So, thank you again.
4: Oh, you're welcome. It's a small
0: Michael
4: has,
0: little thank you. It's awesome. It's awesome, and we do appreciate it. So, Michael has joined us, so yes. I'm going to welcome Michael, too.
5: Thank you, dear heart. Yeah, it's a really beautiful set. Thank you. She has been telling herself stories about it already, and she's setting it up and uh-huh. putting them in different Good. groupings.
4: Good. So, how are you
5: today, young lady? Pretty well, thanks. How are you? I'm rocking. Doing well. Good. Ready for fall to uh, to start arriving. We're starting to get uh, shorter days here and uh, longer nights and uh, cooler evenings down into the 50s. Yeah. So it's definitely uh, the season, the signs of the season are changing already. We actually, uh, oh, back a few weeks ago, we noticed that uh, we had several flocks, like maybe 100 to 200 birds at a time. Geese fly directly over a house. It was just like you could almost set your clock, 8.30. And uh, it was bright daylight. And now, about 8.30 when the birds fly, where it's dark out, or almost dark. So. Wow. Yeah. Changing. Mhm. So, what's exciting in your world? What's on your mind for today?
4: Tim just did a worksheet, and it was terrific. It was great. And he's had a hard time with this. You know, very focused on a, a certain mechanical issue in the house, but it seemed to be so much more than that. So, it was wonderful to have Doctor Tim take him in through the worksheet in such a good way. Sweet. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I did awesome. have a question I was going to ask last week. And um, Right. Um, I'm of two minds about a core issue that's come up that's been, I've gone way back to before I even have a personal memory. It's a story about my birth and about my beginnings as an infant, which showed me something about why I've been in the position I've been in my family and had the issues that I've had. But I don't remember that issue. I can just picture it. And at one point when years ago I went to a retreat, um, it was called the Shalom Retreats, and it was the Catskill Mountains. And a facilitator, a wonderful, very amazing man named Gerald Judd, and I'm not even sure, J-E-J-U-D-D, not even sure he's still alive. He, Ryan? They, they start with working on a mat, and they start you hyperventilating. They'll even push on your chest until you're really hyperventilating And usually a lot of emotion is released in that. And that was the way, I don't know what that was called, but he he put me on this mat and I said, I can't tell you what's going on. It's way, way before, and I didn't have any idea what this issue was at all, except to tell him that when I was a newborn, I bit my mom on the first time on the breast and she took me right off and put me on a bottle. Well, so what? A lot of babies weren't nursed at that time, that era. Mothers didn't do that. And my mother had, did not nurse any of her other babies. I don't even know if she tried. But with me, she, she tried, and, and I bit her. And I know I must have been feeling very enthusiastic about milk and bosoms and everything else because I don't think I was mad when I came out of the womb. But that was the situation, and I very nonchalantly told him this, and this guy laid me on a mat, had people surround me on all sides and hold me down, and I said, look, this isn't necessary. Then he took a spoon and put it near my mouth, and instinctively I could see the spoon had nothing on it, but I lifted my head to take what was on the spoon, and he drew it away. He did that twice. On the second time, it's as if I split off from myself and I was absolutely howling, just howling. And this is not a memory. I, I mean, I'm telling you a memory of this mat this trip, they call them, but <clears throat> he said, okay, now you know. <laughs> you know, that was a big deal for you. Now you know. So I've known that. Well, so what? Except... What I'm trying to work on is so early that I've had no direct access to it. And I've thought for that reason alone I might take this issue to the grave. Um, But it has shown up in one form over and over and over again throughout my life. And I just don't know where to go with it because it's not a desire I don't have any thoughts about this. It's just a thing that happened, and I don't even know if that means
5: anything. Right? Is it something you have a story that you were told about that happening, or is that just what presents itself in that uh, experience with that in that workshop?
4: Well, I had been told, and that's why they put me down on the mat, I'd been told that I was not nursed and that I had bitten my mother on the first try. And she wasn't about to put up with any nonsense from a baby.
5: So that was a story that you carried around about your birth or shortly after your birth.
4: Right. Sure, I have no memory of that.
5: Right. Okay.
4: So my, my basic question is, if I can't access it in any way, Am I sort of stuck (laughs) to to never get over it because it manifests? Okay.
5: No. My my offering is that a cognitive memory of an event is not required to process the energy of that event. I see people all the time processing through things where... And and the breath is a key. Now, I certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, getting people to purposely hyperventilate and then hold them down to induce or replicate a trauma. That sounds pretty bizarre to me, but I do know that if somebody pushes and pushes and pushes the breath, that it can lead to an experience of physiological trauma
4: So i I know
5: you're I remember that
4: that. go ahead, you're saying that what happened on the map just happened on the map and it what had nothing to do with anything in the past then
5: well, of course, I don't know you know was was that a memory that you were on the edge of processing? I don't know it, what you're bringing to mind I had a a medical doctor that used to come to my workshops quite often and somebody else had introduced him to to breath work and when he came to my workshop of course part of the intensive is still point breathing but the he liked the physical sensations really just pushing on his breath so it it didn't matter how much I tried to get him to slow down look we're not looking to induce physiological trauma here that's not the idea we want to just slow down and just do a nice slow connected breath he would huff like a train every time he did still point session he would never actually Mm -hmm. do still point because he had that Mm -hmm. thing where he liked to get into that physiological trauma state so whether that was relative to the original memory or not who knows now if the cognitive memory didn't come i mean i've seen thousands of times where cognitive memory does open up when one's in a still point process but not as a result of doing a pushed hyperventilation type breath and that that perhaps opens. Some of you remember that uh, you found the still point process somewhat difficult, and I wonder if a, a worksheet or two around that might uh, might release that memory. Like if you're if you go back to that point where this. I mean, did he explain why he's having people hold you down?
4: No, he just thought that we were going to have a, a an explosive something. And the fact that he used a spoon and it was supposed to be an invitation to eat made me think that he was really doing it based on that little snippet of a story that I'd been told about being a newborn. He wouldn't have done right. that unless he had that story. And the fact that that story, I don't even think he was breathing me at that point. I think that was way past. I don't remember that was the beginning of this. He just had had me lie down and had people around me. I, I, they weren't forcefully holding me down, but he expected something to happen and wanted to be available or protected or whatever. I didn't go right. to work, but um, so I, I've just been, but that memory, that, that story had not come to mind until very recently. About a month ago, Tim Hayes was working with me on something having to do with a friend of mine, and that opened up a lot of stuff, and a lot of it I felt wasn't even usable on the radio show. It was too, I just didn't want to do it on the radio show, but I'm getting to the point where I can talk about it a little bit. But um, somehow this is an important piece of a story. I don't know why it's important, and I haven't finished working on it, But the great thing is I feel really well, but I have this, it's like a spot in me that I can approach an abyss and put my toes over the edge of the abyss and look down. And in the early morning, sometimes I'll wake up just feeling horrible. Um, Not exact, it's more like depression, like being bereft as if I'm just not going to be able to breathe and live. But it's so, it's so inaccessible to reason. But I'm sitting right near it and doing mainly not even work, worksheets anymore. It's mainly been journal writing, tons and tons. A couple of mind shifters. You gave me one. Tim A's gave me one. I don't even remember them now. They were early on. It's mostly just journal right. writing. Um, so I don't know how to work intelligently on the radio show at all. Anyway,
5: um,
4: I guess the,
5: uh, in, the oh, go ahead.
4: Tim asked me in, in one session. He said, "What is it that you're not telling people?" I I may even misremember the question. What is it that you're not saying? And I thought, wait a minute, I'm really open. I'm probably too open. What is it? What is this that I'm not saying? Not quite sure what that is, either, but it might be connected to all this. Go ahead, you were going to say something.:
5: Well, I was just going to ask if when you have this energetic experience, like the, you're on the edge of that abyss, is there anything you know that you're anticipating in your day? It sounds you know anything that you can connect it to? You know every Tuesday, I go to Thus and So," and it seems like it happens <laughs> no. on Tuesday, Is there anything? at all that uh,
0: because
5: that could be a key way into a worksheet that might help to open it
4: no I don't think so I've got a life that I really like I don't have anything that I'm doing that I might dread or find onerous So
5: well that's an awesome thing
4: it is it's wonderful
5: so I guess the next the next piece of the puzzle for for me would be then to ask Ruka, you know, become willing to listen and ask Ruka to show you, is there something here that I need to work through?
1: You know, yeah. and,
5: and get into a quiet space, maybe do a little bit of breathing. And in that quiet space, just ask to be shown and let it come. Yeah. And, you know, it may come as a sensation. It may come and then be open to being guided as to how to interpret whatever comes you know, you wake up in the morning with that okay. dread going on it's like well look at you know something's just beneath the surface here i think and what what's going on show me what i need to deal with here and uh
1: mm-hmm.
5: and see what uh you know a color might show up a visual might show up a memory a, you know that'd be my best uh input is just ask when you're on the edge of that energy mm. okay
4: It's just mainly a feeling of being really not safe. And I know right in my whole life, I'm probably safer than 99.9% of the people on this planet. And we are dealing with some pretty serious traumas with the refugees right now. They come into the country and nothing, no support, nothing, no money, no language, nowhere to go, no food, no clothes, Uh, I've talked about that that before.
5: Unimaginable, isn't it? It is. Except that you're watching. Totally.
4: Yeah. And doing a little bit here and there. And I'm being amazed at their resilience. Thank God most of them are a lot younger. They've got a lot of vitality. Young parents uh, with little kids and, of course, they're on red alert to take the keep the kids safe. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. And maybe, you know, you go to the movies and watch these scary things, I go to the refugee center and have to do a wake up sheet on Mrs. So and so who oh. so anyway. Right. Thanks. Well a mind well, shifter was,
5: might be useful.
4: All right. Um got my pencil ready?
1: Safety
5: and deep security okay, have always been my companion in life. Just something as simple as that. I'd spend some time writing and see... You know, the the way you're talking about it and then you bring up the example of what's going on with the refugees and uh, that might just be enough to open the file on a deeper level and and get, get, get you to take a look, the ability to take a look at whatever the underlying energy is. Just keep it simple.
4: Okay. All right. That's good
5: see what result it produces, and in the meantime, we'll be holding the space. Jeannie, do you have any thoughts, any input?
0: No, I think that's good. Um, I, I like the mind shifter there. That would definitely trigger different times when safety or security were not or seem to not be in my life.
5: Mm-hmm. And how about how about we add just a little bit to it, and that is um, especially in the presence of mm-hmm. others' rage or abuse. Does that shift anything? Does that move anything for you?
4: It absolutely does nothing, and I'm wondering why, because I see why you're saying
5: that. It's like it's,
4: it's not applicable yet. Right. There's a, there's a kind of a danger that predates that that's just
5: dark. Right. Well, you know, when you speak about some of the uh, abuse you took as a child... And uh, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that if a mother and I've worked with many mothers over the years that have had a tough time breastfeeding and, you know, most of them have just gone through it. But to be so vehement as to that's it, there's never going to be any more breastfeeding because of, uh, of one experience. It seems like it was probably some must have really triggers space in her and it's one that you got to bear the brunt of several times as a child and uh, maybe there's something there in the in the root of it to be worth opening up and see if you just spend some time making sure that you're breathing as you do that or she or that uh, mind shifter and and uh, okay. asking for guidance as to is there something underneath otherwise i'd let go of it and forget about it
4: Forget about what, the, the, the
1: clause <laughs> the <laughs> working,
5: working on that piece. I'd, I'd oh, yeah. Like, you know, okay. instead of trying to pursue it with my mind and trying to figure it out, I'd just be in the mm-hmm. space of acceptance of the sweetness and the beauty and the security that you have and live with it. And, you know, if something else triggers, great. But otherwise, I'd, I'd let loose of it.
4: Okay. I do know that I had babies, too, and both babies bit and you learn to keep a finger right nearby to break that vacuum and take them right. off. And they quickly learn that they lose the milk if they do that. And they, they're <laughs> quick. They learn fast. <laughs> yes, so,
5: I bet they do. Yeah.
4: And so I I, do I think bless that women that my for the commitment was, they have. Yeah. Well, it's scary at first because those little gums, you know, there are no teeth, but the yep. gums are pretty, pretty sharp. And, um, yep. um, but so I have thought, you know, my mother was taking care of three other kids. They were small. We two smallest ones were surprises, as she kindly puts it. And, right. My brother was ast- asthmatic, and she spent nights walking the floor with him because she had one relative who owned a cat who kept showing up, and my brother would have these life-threatening episodes of asthma, and she'd be walking mm. the floor at night with him. And Bless her heart. And up until he was, you know, she was exhausted. So I understand why she might have said, one chance and you're out. You know, one strike and you're yeah. out. Yeah. But that is sort of the flavor of the day there. So, Right. So you're right, you know. It might have been just hopelessness. Like, I'm not going to put up with this. This is ridiculous.
5: baby's going to do that. I mean, three babies and a fourth one, the level yeah. of stress, especially with one of them being asthmatic. I oftentimes, yeah. you know, I, I was almost dead three or four times first year of my life from lung issues, and I oftentimes just have this empathy come up in me Um and the inclination to apologize for the load that that had to be for my parents. It's just... Oh, yeah. I mean, I fortunately, you know, with our babies, with Arya, I've never had to face what is a life-threatening situation with, with any of them. Right. And no, no, the to thing. have to face that for a mother has just got to be... Whew, talk about stress beyond
3: stress.
4: Yeah, tremendous. And at that time, you know, it was the depression, no money. She was lonely. She'd been an only child. She had no capacity to understand the pandemonium of of three babies and now a fourth one. My dad working morning till night to support us. So very hard.
2: (sighs) Big, big. I mean, I
5: can't even... When you really let your mind get into it, you, you, we can't even imagine the level of stress that must have been. No. Yeah. You know, it's just so huge.
4: And they had so they cluster. had no tools, and they didn't talk about stuff at all. It was all, you know, what's to eat, and what are you going to wear, and let me do your hair, and they... They didn't talk. When I had small children and my mother was visiting and I talked to my kids about their feelings about things, and she said, you talk to them? I've probably told this. She said, you talk to them like that? You talk to them about those things? And I said, Mom, they're smart. And they have a lot of feelings and stuff on their mind. she said, I never talked to you like that. And I said, I know.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't in your culture.
4: Mm -hmm. None of you talked like that. Right. So... It was all that bottled oh. up.
2: Yeah.
5: Time time to acknowledge yourself for the uh, monumental change that you made in one generation and that you had the wherewithal to do that. Give that gift to your kids.
4: Yeah, that's nice, isn't it?
5: That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's, oh, that's pretty amazing.
4: It came from playing with dolls. I told my dolls
5: everything.
4: I tell you, they educated me, <laughs> my girls,
2: <laughs> Mhm,
5: well, you know, I watch Arya, and she is from the minute she arrives here to the minute she leaves. She's pretty much in one continuous story.
2: She's yeah. always
5: verbalizing, she's always got a story going on, and it's pretty amazing and making a space for that. And being with her through that and supporting it, you know, we've had conversations with her about make sure, you know, this is, she knows very clearly the difference between reality and actuality. And when she'll ask it to do something, and it's like, well, this isn't, well, no, this is pretend. And she knows that, but we've acknowledged her imagination there and told her to make sure, you know, keep that imagination going. Make sure that's your companion for your whole life. It will always support you and always serve you. Um, Nice. Yeah, it, it has been. Uh, she is just an, an amazing gift to us. And yes, her conversations it, sure. with her dolls are just an ongoing thing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I okay, definitely well, uh, experience her as a blessing and uh, and get to experience... You know the fact that we can bring the work we've done through this work to her at this early age, I consider that to be mm. another blessing that we get to receive and that we get to share with her.
3: That's so great.
4: What kind of a grown up is she gonna be? Wow!
5: I am excited and delighted to just watch the process the other day she she was leaving, and Jeannie usually drives her home, and I stayed here. And she was going out the door, and I called her I said, I cherish you, sweetie. And she turned around, and, you know, she just turned five. And so she'll oftentimes mimic what we say, but both Jeannie and I noticed. I mean, she was literally out the door, and Jeannie was almost to the car. But Jeannie heard her return that to me, and both of us were like, there's a whole new level of, she wasn't just saying words. It was a whole new level of her truly sending that energy of love in my direction. Jeannie picked up. We talked about it. Jeannie said, do you remember when she was going out the door? And she, yeah? I said, yeah, I just like there was such a, a bolt of energy that came from her. And she's like, yeah, it was almost a car. And, and I felt it and I heard the words. And it was just, yeah, so definitely feeling blessed.
4: That's so great. <laughs>
5: and And I can only imagine as you watch those say again
4: it takes a lot of energy too to match the energy of a little person like that so hand it to you whoa no
5: well I certainly receive it and uh, and in particular I acknowledge the gifts that you've given to those young men in your life who've been troubled and you know your grandsons and and how you've nurtured them through it and how you've taken that understanding and gifted them with it—that's pretty amazing. They're—they're they're, they're the kind of gifts that are going to keep on giving for those young men.
4: I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Luke's doing really well. I'm particularly am inspired by band? Luke. Oh,
5: yeah. really? Yep. Yeah, he's well. I'm particularly inspired by what's going on with him. Uh huh. Yeah. He's
4: amazing. But he's got a paying gig, and he's still in school, but he's, he's, he's a really master guitarist, very creative. So, and this really. is what he wants to do. So, yeah.
2: Sweet.
5: Yeah. Well, the fact that so early, I mean, I used to have uh, a nightclub in my restaurant, two, two of my restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, when i when i look at what a lot of musicians that we hired went through you know being in a bar it was pretty horrific so that he's clear enough that he's going to stay clean and do his program and his tender mm-hmm. age going into that that he's got such a leg up on so many musicians that are just lost in that in their gig i know
4: there's so much using
5: huh. It's pretty awesome.
4: Yeah.
2: Cool. Hey,
0: Susan? Yeah. We have somebody who wants to say something to you.
1: Thank you for oh. the for Jesus. <laughs>
4: I wish it were true. <laughs> mm. You're welcome. <help> <laughs> yeah, let him talk to you. He'll tell you the best stuff in the world. <laughs> yeah, no idea. <laughs>
0: You pray to him, don't you?
4: Mm-hmm. At school.
0: Yeah, at school you do too, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. She just wanted to tell you that. Huh. Oh, thanks, Aria.
5: Cool. And and what a nice retort for her. Thank you.
4: <laughs> oh, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. She'll tell her
5: stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, anything else on your mind for today? No,
4: this is great. Thank you, Michael and Jeannie, as always.
5: All right. You're appreciated. We extend our love in your direction and keep me posted for Wednesday.
4: Okay, yeah. Uh, it's very iffy. Not sure anything's going
5: to happen. Okay. Yeah. I will hold the space. Okay, thanks. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. bye all right, Miss Jeannie, well we're at the halfway point already.
3: We Do we have anybody else in minutes. the chat
5: room or anything?
0: No, nobody has a hand up. So somebody push one and you're first in line, no waiting.
5: Don't have a hand up. And uh, bouncing off of the um the interchange that just took place between Aria and Susan. and the messages that uh, that Yeshua offers to the world that are really just so profoundly powerful and if we can just listen to them and get out of the brainwash of the culture you know there's a simple statement that it comes through pretty clearly even in the Greek translations where Yeshua says, ask and you receive. And to understand that everything that shows up in our lives shows up because there's a part of us that needs it. There's a part of us that's asking for it. Now, most people uh, want in their heads... And they think that since they put the want in their heads, they've asked for it. But if you take the next level of refinement out of the ancient scriptures, what it says is, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. And in our modern updated language, that word heart would be the unconscious. Take care what's in the depths of your mind in places that you're not aware of because that's where your wanter is. So we can say something in our heads. Oh, I want millions of dollars. And if in my heart, in the file, remember that information is stored in files, so to speak, but if in the file in my heart I came to the conclusion, let's say, watching mom and dad fight over money, um, bring this out of a situation where I had worked with someone, and this was what, what was uncovered in a mind shifter. And when he touched into the deeper parts of his own mind, as he wrote this mind shifter about money, was that around money issues the memory came of watching his mother and father fight over money and dad leaving and he never saw him again. And linked in his heart was money and dad leaving. Relationships and money meant conflict. And so If one asks in their head, oh, I have millions of dollars, but in their heart there is an underlying mind-energy belief that money destroys relationships, then when the request is provided, when the result is manifest, it's going to come along with a great strain on relationship. That's where that directive, take care of the heart, the unconscious, for out of it are are the issues in life. So the asker, so to speak, when they say ask and you receive, is in your heart, in your unconscious. And so accumulated energies in the unconscious is what set up the resonance that draws experiences to us, out of which we create results, and if one's oblivious to that, then they can destroy themselves in the process of asking for wonderful things. You hear the, the comments that people make. There's a friend of mine who's a musician, Greg Tamlin. Someone that, you know, he's not a a deep personal friend or anything, but someone that over the years of being on the road every once in a while we'd cross paths. He'd be doing the music at a a unity center that I was speaking at or what have you. And uh, I just happened to come across a post of his today where he's got the 10 most terrible whiny love songs got kind of a song he's written about it and it's quite hilarious because he he's he talks about you know relationships and all how people want wonderful things but seriously if you look at it you know one of the songs that came to mind he didn't have this particular one in his mind but can you imagine a small impressionable child or a young man or a young woman especially one who's emotionally compromised or hurt if they tap into a song like this one. You'll probably remember the melody line of it. And it goes like this. The words of it go like this. Patches, oh, what can I do? Patches, I'm waiting for you. It may not be right, but I'll join you tonight. Patches, I'm coming to you. And it's a song about a lover who's committed suicide, and here's this person getting ready to commit suicide to go and be with their dead lover. And you look at, you know, you think about mind energy becomes flesh. Mind energy. If we go, go to the opening words in the book of John, if you haven't heard this particular thought from the Aramaic, in the Aramaic it doesn't say in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. It says in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. And you look at the thought disorder that goes into the impressionable mind let's say you know someone who's a, a young teen that's you know entering their first relationship and you know the relationship breaks apart for whatever reason traumatic or not doesn't matter and then they sit and listen to this kind of thought disorder that i'm going to commit suicide because i want to be with you so much because you're the source of my happiness and what kind of results do people produce when they buy into So if you if you want to take a quick look, Greg Tamblyn, Tamblin, T A M B L I N, and the ten whiny love songs, and you know, put it into YouTube, and uh, he does a really you know quite a, a, a hilarious job of pointing out the thought disorders that people buy into. And if you can remember. Early years years where you did those sorts of things, where you bought into those sorts of things, and then you just look at the power phrases that people come up with. You know, something happens and somebody pops out of their mouths with, oh, that just kills me. It's like, well, chuck one up for impending death. Or that's a killer sandwich, or that's to die for. Common... Thought disorders being used in regular everyday speech without people having a realization that it's our thoughts that literally generate the directives that become our behavior. You know, you listen to Paul and he talks about be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And yet, sadly, much of churchianity, Again, many people on another path doing incredible things, but at the same time, much of churchianity is playing off of the thought disorders and keeping people in fear. And remembering that, you know, when a particular energetic pattern becomes the predominant resonating energy in the unconscious, life will use that energy through resonance and the path of least resistance will open up to deliver the requested result because we live in a world of ask and receive, quite literally. Now, people say, well, you know, I, but, but I didn't get what I asked for. Well, but you need to look at what's going on in your heart because it's not what your lips say, it's what moves within you. You know, people say, oh, he turned left instead of right, and then, you know, there was an accident. Well, no. If if one has the predominant resident energy of death moving within them, and a big part, you'll remember Yeshua also says, the, the, the power of life and death is in our words. If one's going down the road and makes that left turn as they plan to, But if they make a right, the fulfillment of the request is waiting for them, then something within them will touch the mainspring of inclination and they'll end up taking that right turn. And they'll meet their demise. So my offering would be, there are no accidents. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is delivered to every creator on time in order according to the accumulated demands of their hearts. So we get to interact with and play with people who have the matching energies. And then if you interact with someone and some emotionally traumatized thought in your mind attaches to your brain's image of them and you enter into the blame game, if yes, we're staying there watching you do that, He'd say, wait, stop, stop. There's something in your unconscious that you're putting into your brain's image of your brother. You're making your brother wrong because of what's been triggered in you. And you need to remove that from your unconscious. You need to remove that from your heart. It's not a bleeding heart statement. It's an instruction to learn how to remove from the unconscious that which one blames others for. Liam Neeson has a wonderful quote where he says, everyone says love hurts, but that's not true. Everyone gets these things confused with love but in reality, love is the only thing in this world that covers up and heals all pain and makes someone feel wonderful again. Love is the only thing in the world that does not hurt. People come together in, out of relationship based in matching bags of garbage, and of course the world calls those relationships love relationships. Then they'll come out of it singing, oh gee, there's a song for that. Love hurts. Remember the melody line of that? love? I mean, they repeat it over and over and over again. So, you know, the Greeks had one very powerful piece of the puzzle. And they said, guard the portals of the mind. Actually, two pieces, because another one the Greeks said was, know thyself. Become acquainted with your own unconscious dynamics. And know that if you're willing to enter into the practice of bringing love present in your mind, in your body, in your affairs, then it's that presence of love that becomes the light in which the truth becomes visible. And the truth is, if you've ever held a newborn and you've ever tapped into the essence of the newborn, that's what we are. The newborn is not loving you. The newborn simply is love. It's a state of being. It's a noun that with practice I can maintain no matter what others do. It's the key to healing both self and others. If I think love's a verb, as our culture has misled us into thinking, I attempt to love you, which is an impossibility. And it's time to give that up. Of course, a miracle says it very clearly. A Course whose purpose is to teach you to remember what you really are could fail to emphasize that there can never be a difference in what you really are and what love is. They are identical, and of course further says, teach only love, for that is what you are. And when your mind chooses to do something else, make sure you breathe and do the work around it to free yourself of whatever that unconscious dynamic is. And of course, when that happens, that can create a significant amount of stress in relationship. And if I remember to recognize that what I put into my brain's image of another is mine, and how do I tell? Because I'm the one who's feeling it. Then I can change my mind about what I put into my brain's image of you. And I change that through forgiveness. So if I maintain the presence of my own being in your presence... I've achieved the goal of being the presence of love with you, the only, the highest form of expression that's possible for a human being. I can embrace you in my being, but strictly speaking, I'm not loving you. I am being that space of active love. Carl Jung. In his writing, explains, if we don't understand what it is here that I'm talking about, he says it this way. Our mentality is distinguished by the shameless naivety with which we judge our enemy. And the judgment we pronounce upon him or her, we unwillingly reveal, for me, in the judgment we pronounce on them, we unwillingly reveal our own defects. We simply accuse the quote-unquote enemy of our own unadmitted faults. In other words, if I'm not experiencing love, it's an inside job. I have work to do. And of course, don't we all? If you engage in your own internal healing process, what is not love in you, you'll be healing the thug that you think you see out there in the world. You'll be healing the thug that when you see thuggery, you're upset. So another deficiency is not the cause of our own hostility or desire to fight, and, and it certainly doesn't require us to stoop to their level. The only one who suffers from our hostility is ourselves. We get the original, they get the carbon copy, and they may not be on for delivery. test test verifies that the feeling you're experiencing is yours or not. You know, we've, we've developed this test. It took many years to understand and develop, and it can be a really challenging one. How do you tell whether or not you're experiencing is yours or not? Are you experiencing it? That's all you need to know. And if you listen to our Healing Through Relationships workshop, the commitment is a tool that one uses in order to support the integrity of our own energy field, of our human lives. That is the presence of love. It's the truth about who we are. Our culture has trained us to give it away at the slightest provocation in that willingness to hold and own that presence of love no matter what that brings true safety and power. If I have to protect it, then by the very act of protecting it, I've created an attack. And by creating an attack, I, through resonance, have invited attack. I have asked for an attack. Sadly, we live in a world where authorities don't want us in our true power. Because if you're in your true power, love is the only guidepost you have for action. Can you imagine a king that turns to, his population and says, hey, you know, I just discovered that that kingdom over there, they've got some gold that we didn't know even existed in the world and we want it. So what I want you to do is I want you to go kill them and take it for me. So you don't find the world supporting this position very strongly. In fact, if you go back historically, you know, we've got the uh, the quote-unquote war on drugs. The war on drugs was started by a particular president who wanted to prosecute a war in Vietnam. But there were the love children who were doing psychedelics, and they went, you know, they were following songs like All You Need Is Love... And go back and you'll see Tricky Dick started the war on drugs because he wanted killers to go to Vietnam for him. I mean, it was that blatant. There's an example of what kings do.
2: So those who lose
5: contact with their essence will tend to train others to do the same. And when we lose contact with their essence, we lose the state of creatorship. And when you think about that, what kind of petty things have we been trained to give it up for with no realization of what it is that we're doing and what we're giving up literally, is our human lives. So the healing of hostile, fearful minds looks like hostility and fear coming up in those minds. And then going back in a circle to Susan's wonderful words to Krista is, you know, keep that conversation up with Yeshua because he will guide you and he will tell you. And I'm I'm not meaning, or pardon me, yes, are you? (laughs) Yes, Krista, too. (laughs) Slip of the Freudian tongue. And we're not talking here about a religious principle. We're talking about a life principle. And what it is that we're here to experience. So in the Healing Through Relationships workshop, we present a tool. The tool is called My Commitment, and it's been a while since we've spoken the words of the commitment on the radio show. Probably a year since the last time we spoke about it. Maybe not quite that long, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to just speak the commitment to each and every one of you. And this is the tool that we teach in our Healing Through Relationships workshop as a way to heal ourselves through our interactions in relationships. You know, people can go live in a cave and they don't have to face anything, but it's in relationship that we get to look at the unconscious dynamics that perhaps we otherwise try to hide from ourselves. So my commitment to each and every one of you, Ari, if you're listening, Jeannie, Susan, Tim, anyone else? I promise to trust you enough to tell you the truth and be true to you. I commit to always be sweetness in your life, to nurture you daily and treat you lovingly, gently, and with respect in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions, whether in your presence or not. In every interaction I commit to affection to you, to look for and acknowledge the highest and best in you as I surrender to love our true nature. I will use only voice tones that reflect my deep caring for you. My connection to my source, my relationship with you and our serenity will always be more important than any issue. I open my heart to embrace you in my love, and I open my heart to be embraced in your love. If anything unlike love comes up, I will hold this in my heart and listen as I learn to speak, experience, and be responsible for my own realities. I'm here for and with you. I promise to keep communication open and keep love conscious, active and present as we heal, celebrate life and grow together. So I make that commitment to you. And I invite you to continue to consider reciprocating because it's through joining in that higher vision that we each will be empowered to be the space where deeper and deeper levels of healing occur. And to me, that's what it's all about, Elfie. Ah, another song. What's it all about, Elfie? So, Miss Jeannie, we're down to the last couple of minutes. Any thoughts for you, sweetheart? No,
0: I'm all good. Excellent conversations today. Thank you.
5: Honored and delighted.
0: Commitment back to you.
5: I accept and join you in it.
0: Uh, a hand just went up, but we're down to a minute and a half. Dusty, you're on the air. Well,
3: hi. I just wanted to say that was a beautiful. Um, um, talk on self-realization as love. It was just beautiful, and thank you.
5: Well, thank you for saying thank you, Dusty. I appreciate you.
3: Okay, and, and by the way, I went and I did read all that Nichiokaku um, and uh, everything on either side of it. And yeah, I, I'm on that train too of the uh, the universe that keeps repeating itself so you yeah. that was i appreciate that too i'm sorry that's a side trip i wanted to tell you that but that was beautiful oh, i mean cool. yogananda when he came to this country he was i mean he called his outfit a self-realization fellowship and um right and so and uh, and you know, people would write and say, "Oh, it took an Indian to come on to teach us about Christ." You know, and, and but what you said was—I mean, you just nailed it. And about uh, if you realize who you are, then you'll realize the love, and it's all good in that sense.
5: Yeah, I'm with um, you in that,
3: my friend. And, yeah, and if I've got 20, do I have it 30 seconds? Go for it
5: it'll cut us off oh, when just, it
3: does. Okay, I'm just going to say that that also doesn't doesn't mean that we aren't all like an onion and we have to be kind of a uh a, a warrior uh in, in a particular sense. Sometimes we have to go through layers of a, of our own stuff, our own stuff to get to the more essential um that uh, effulgence that love that's at the center and I invite people to know that going through that those layers it's an act of valor in a sense and it's it's the best journey ever I'm
5: in full agreement with you I'm with you on that a hundred percent my friend
3: okay well God bless everybody and uh, catch you on the flip side
5: all right. Lots of love and blessings. Appreciate you. Take care. Thanks everybody for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. And take care. Bye bye.